Next 15 minutes or so, let me share with you a brief message that I think is important. And if you could just hang with me through a thought. I have been praying for a while about this concept of, of seasons. I called it spaces. Can you say spaces? In life, you have seasons where you have a, no space. Two-year-olds, one-year-olds running around, bills, <laughs> trying to buy a car, trying to get a job, trying to get through school. You feel jammed. And you think that's going to be permanent. You really do. And, and you, if you're not careful, you see it. I, I've seen young mothers in places with kids screaming and yelling, and, and I always say that's a season. Because there's another season that come when you've got plenty of space. Some of you are there now, retirement age, you're a season in your life where the kids are gone, and now you really have time, and it's scary. Uh, I think what's happening in church right now is different because we've changed the schedule, and we've changed things around. And sometimes you don't, sometimes, um, this is a little bit off for a minute, but sometimes you are afraid to be free. That's why when you get money, you spend it all so you can go back to bondage, your, your normal place. Sometimes if your, your schedule is free, you fill up your calendar because you feel like you've got to have a lot to do or you're not being productive. When you walk around your house, you ever clean up your entire house, clean up everything? Ain't nothing to do? Move dust, that's it? Somebody said, no, I never had that happen, Pastor Rick. I've never. <laughs> Wash all your clothes. Anybody ever had all your clothes washed? Everything washed. Every single thing. I'm real big on washing every day. That's just me. So that's the habit I got. I wash every day. So and, I, and, I, and I'm just, it's, it's part of my issue. My issue, okay, got two washers and two dryers for a reason. When we had no space, I saw how it kept my wife in bondage. And so when I built my house, I said, I want two washers, I want two dryers. I'm going to slay this dragon because this is the devil here. Every time you look around, there's a pile. And you know what you do? You wash them, right? And then you don't fold them so they get wrinkled again, right? And then they just says, okay, some of you say, okay, come move on, Pastor. You're talking about my house right now. But there's something about having everything done, you can feel guilty because all the clothes are washed, all the kids are there, you got money, that's scary too. You know, now if something goes off, you want to go someplace, you can. There's this emotional moment and it just rings in your head, God, I got money. Season with no space, season with spaces. And some of you know both sides of that. I want to take you on a journey of four sermons. We have a fifth Sunday surprise for you. I'll tell you about that another day. But there are four specific things in this series I want to cover. Today I'm going to talk about what I call God's plans for your surprises. God's plans for your surprise seasons. I call it the ram in the bush season. God always has a plan when you're surprised. Next week I'm going to talk about understanding the spaces. Understanding where you are can help you emotionally. Third Sunday I want to talk about being content. Learning how to be happy in your season is important. I believe if you're not careful, you'll never be happy. No job, no salary, no car, no woman, no man, no home, no trip. None of that will make you happy forever. You have to, you have to learn how to be content at every season. And then lastly, I'm going to talk about managing a boring season. Say that with me, please. Come on. Managing a boring season. Here's what I believe boring seasons are. Boring seasons are the place that prosperity is built. It's the place that you grow. It's the boring process of going through an educational classroom setting where you learn to read. 
It's a boring process. Learning how to be bored is a sign of maturity. If you think life's going to always be exciting and a, and a big Disney trip, you're wrong. It's not always exciting. It's not always easy. Life can be challenging and boring, but that is where you need to be sometimes. A, a place where there's, there's just, it's just you and time. And that's why I want to share this, this with you so much. Because I believe if you can manage these seasons, you'll be okay. Let me begin, if I can, with a question. What is God's backup plan for your life? Some of you are in the season right now, and it's not, like, not what you plan. Now, churches, for example, is not in the season we plan, even though we put things in place that made the season easier for us. The digital options, the way we communicate, uh, the way you give, the way we serve, all the things that we do, those things were put in place years ago, and so it made the season easier. But there are moments in life when you are hit with a surprise, and I want to talk to you about God's backup plan for you. So today's sermon is called The Ram in the Bush, God's Plans for Your Surprise Seasons. In our story in the book of, of Genesis, chapter 22, there's a guy named Abraham. Abraham has surprises in his life. God came to him and told him in chapter 12 of Genesis, uh, really chapter 11, I want you to move. Move to the land of, uh, from the land you've been in all your life with your family, and I want you to go to a place you don't know anybody, a place called Canaan. And so Abraham, by faith, gets up and he moves. And then God says to him, I'm, I'm going to give you a child. He's been barren. He's 75. How old was he? 75. Now imagine those of you that are up in this age bracket, wherever you are, if God were to say to you right now, I want you to start your family. Imagine that. Just right now. Just, just think about that for a minute. Some of you say it's too late. But Abraham was 75. Wife was 65. A year older than me. Wow. And so he tells Sarah he believes that it's God's will for him to have a child. And so for 25 years, I didn't say two, 25 years they tried. And it wasn't until he was 100 and she was 90 years old that they had their first, first child. Now some of you say, now see, we should have gave up on that a long time ago. All that trying. But what's powerful is in the middle of this moment, there's something you learn about this guy. This is a guy who walks by faith. He's considered in the Bible the, the father of faith by many scholars. He's the guy that you see who is really the example of faith and determination. But what happens sometimes is when a person comes to a season of challenge, like he did, that's when you see what they don't have, especially when it's something about their family. And so here he is in Genesis 22. The Lord says to him, after he gets a son, finally, after 25 years of getting a son, after proving he's faithful, there's this challenge God put, presents to him. Now, the challenge is going to be and I'm going to use a big word here, hyperbolic, hyperbole. You heard that word, right? It means it's kind of like an exaggeration. It, you kind of know, you know, God's asking you to do something, and it's not really going to, you know, it doesn't sound safe. It sounds like, nah, I shouldn't do that, but, it, but it's the thing to do. It's what, he, it's what he said to do. You'll see what I mean in a minute. Look at chapter 22 uh, of Genesis verse 2. Then God said, take your son to, to Abraham, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering 
on a mountain, I will show you. Pause. Think about that. Makes no sense. I'm not supposed to be killing, but you're telling me to go offer my son. Throughout your life, you will have moments of conflict. You will have a clear direction from God, and you will say, okay, I'm supposed to be kind, but I'm dealing with mean people. There'll be a conflict. There are moments when you're not sure exactly how to apply what he said to you or what you feel is right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, just a little conflict. I call it covenant conflict. That's my little term for it. So I'm supposed to love my son, but yet kill my son. I understand that, right? Okay. So watch what happens. And, and, And you'll notice that he's listening, but he knows that there's more to this than he's hearing. Look at verse three. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the, for the place God had told him to go. Told, told him about, rather. On, that, on the third day, Abram looked up and saw the place in the distance. Now listen to verse 5, because this is really important. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. He didn't know how. But he knew what? I don't know how this is going to work out. I walk. I can't. It took me three days to get here. He had three days to turn around, three days to say, hey, man, this is a bad plan. Maybe I heard God wrong, but he knew he'd heard God right. And so here he goes. And now he takes this deep breath and he makes this prophetic statement. I'm going there. But if I know the God that I know, me and my boy are going to come back. Can you get an amen to that one? There are times you don't know exactly how. The bill, the life, the job, the circumstance, the marriage, the children. You don't know exactly how this is going to work out, but it's going to work out. All I know is I need to do the right thing. Can you say right thing? I need to be obedient. I need to be committed. This is where it falls apart for a lot of people. Because anything they don't understand, they don't obey. Anything that's not easily explained, they, 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 they shriek back from. I've been there, I understand it. When I was a young person serving God, and I was uh, in college, and I felt the commitment to honor God in my body, honor God in my life, my body said one thing, the Bible said something different. There are times in life when you want to cuss somebody, you want to fight. I feel one way, but I know what God said. There's a moment in my life when I want to watch something. I'm a diehard movie fan. What? Diehard. Love theater, love movies, love all that. Get on a plane, fly to New York, watch something just to go see a play. I love it. Did I not tell you I love it? Love it. But there are moments. I have paid my money to go see something, and I had to make a decision. Do I sit here or do I walk out? Because of my mind that I've worked hard to keep pure. Certain things I don't want to see, certain things I don't need to happen in my life and in my mind. Now, you may not care, but I work hard to stay right. So y'all won't be talking about me. Come on, say amen, right? There's something about making a point. To do what you know is right. 
even if there's confusion, even if there's something in you that's not clear when it comes to honoring God in all of my life. It's really, really important to me, really important. This is a guy who stayed the course. Look at verse 10. You'll see what I mean. In verse 10, the Bible said, then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham had said twice. Notice with me, this is a guy who says, I don't understand, but I'm going to do what he said. I don't quite get it. And that's all this is about. This was never meant to be an example of doing something dangerous or endangering somebody. This was designed to teach you one lesson. Obey God and he'll bless you. Obey God and he will show up. Obey God and watch God do it for you in a way that you never imagined. You don't have to compromise your commitment to God to get blessed. Can you get him an amen on that one if you hear me? You don't have to do that. No, if we're all going to clap, let's all clap. That's a good point. You get it? Amen. We all need to hear that. Here's what he told him in verse 12. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. But here's what he said. This is important. Now I know that you fear God because now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now I know. You can talk all day long, but until you act on, until you obey, until you get in alignment with God. I, I see people all the time asking me to pray for them, asking me for God to bless them, but they're not in alignment. And so if you want the blessing of God, there's something about this guy proving I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm not just half in. I'm all in. I'm not straddling the fence. I'm not half on one side, half on the other side. I'm all in. Committed. And watch what happens. Verse 13. This is something you've seen in your life. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught in his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called this place. I love this. The Lord will provide. Hallelujah. Jehovah Jireh. And in this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord is it will be provided. There's something about being all in. And how God does something for you that you've seen him do over and over again. Provide a ram in your bush. Come on, say amen if you hear me, church. You've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen God show up in places. I've seen God provide for me, open doors. I've seen him bless me. I've seen him do amazing things. Some things can't even talk about because it makes other people nervous. But I understand that God has a ram in the bush for you. He has planned for your surprises. But the key thing is you've got to be committed. Now, see, you can play the game. You can pretend you can be half committed, half in, half out. None of that works. The only thing that worked here in Abraham's life was a full commitment. And he had a lifestyle of fully committing, moving away from home, moving into faith for 25 years to have a son, Moving in. He was constantly obedient. I've seen people say, how did you get that? Well, see, that's above your pay grade. That's above your obedience pay grade. Your obedience is down here and you're asking for blessings up here. You're asking for God to give you somebody that's going to be godly and you way down here on the godly scale. Because, see, you're not all in. I'm telling you something. If you want the Holy Spirit to bless you, 
If you want God to provide for you, if you want to see God do something for you, you got to be obedient. But I promise you, if you are, I give you my word. I promise you that David was right. He said, I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. He will give you, he will give you rams in your bushes. Come on, say amen. Come on, amen. Are you hearing me, church? Stand up on your feet. I'm out of time. You say, he told us 15 minutes. I sure did, didn't I tell you that? I told you I'm done. You didn't hear 30 minutes of preaching. That's enough. Somebody hears so many sermons, you can't even remember half of what you heard. Repeat with me, please. So there's a ram in my bushes. God will show up and God will open doors for you. But the key thing is you must make the big decision. I made a point. I want to just make, you know, show you, get a balanced view of this. God's not responsible if you refuse to prepare your bushes sometimes. I mean, I gave an example earlier. I said, you know, I had, Diane's car had needed four tires. You know, Diane don't believe anything in her car should ever go bad. She doesn't. She thinks it should always be good. And she's got a car that's an 07 and it's got 50,000 miles on it. She drives around the block. And the tires were on there, and the tires, they said you have to replace them after so many years because they'll go rot inside. They look good on the outside, but they're rotting on the inside. And so we had to get four new tires, and she got these expensive tires. But we got to be good. And I looked at those tires, and I said, you know, it's good that I saved. So when it's time to buy the tires, I didn't need God to put a ram in the bush. I had a ram in my own bush. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I want you to get that. Because some of you live on the edge of, 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 of foolishness. I said it lovingly. And then you always ask for God to provide a ram in the bush. You go to the bush, ain't nothing in there. That's because you haven't lived wisely. So now you're asking God to fix your emotions, but you haven't, you haven't faced the things that trigger you. Keep allowing things to stay in your life to trigger you. You see what I'm saying? I have a certain responsibility. I, my body at 64 hurts more than normal. I turned some way the other day. I said, ooh, I feel that. I reached in my car today. I went in my car, my back seat, and, I, and something fell on the other side, and I reached across, and I, my knee said, oh, do you feel that? You better work out, boy. You better pull it. You better do it while you can. That's my responsibility. But when I have done all I can, when I have done all I can, when I am backed against the wall, God will provide a ram in my bush. Are you, come on, church. Are you with me? Come on. I need to join me tonight. Father, I pray for us today as we leave this service that we'll leave with faith and confidence. Leave saying, God, we believe that we have a responsibility, but we also believe that you will help us. When we can't do any more, you'll be there for us. I pray that our hearts will open, be open today to receive what you have said. May it bring blessing. May it bring grace. May it bring healing. In the name that's above every name. Now, Lord, I pray for people today who don't know you as Savior, but they need to give their lives to Jesus. They've heard this message and they say, you know, Pastor Rick, I have not been walking with God, but I want to want you to pray for me. If every head bowed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. Pray a prayer for me. I see a hand. Anybody else? Pray for me. I see another one. Anybody else say, pray for me, Pastor. I saw you. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? 
Father, I pray for those who are in this room today who are saying, I need to surrender my life. I need a touch of God on my life. And I pray for those who are online today who are saying the same thing. And I pray if you're online that you simply type, I raise my hand. Just simply saying, I raise my hand. I pray for me. Type that right in the chat. Father, I'm praying that God's grace and God's hand will reach those today who need a touch of God. And may this be that moment. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. Amen. Did you learn something today? Come on, did you? Praise God.